The Blunt Post with Vic. Welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers breaking and headline news, offers analysis, commentary, and I interview high-profile public figures. In each show, I also highlight an exceptional organization, company, nonprofit, or even an individual that does great work in the community. After the headlines, I have two great interviews for you. First one is with Joseph Williams of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, followed by attorney and lesbian activist Seppi Shine. The, uh, the event in Oklahoma is unbelievable. The crowds are unbelievable. They haven't seen anything like it. And we will uh, go there now. We'll give a hopefully good speech. We're going to see a lot of great people, a lot of great friends. Here are a few headlines from over the weekend and this morning. President Trump was supposed to get a boost Saturday from his first campaign rally since late February. Instead, he got a huge bust. After bragging earlier in the week that more than a million people had signed up to go see him, Trump found that he couldn't fill a 19,000-seat arena in a state where he won by 36 percentage points. On Thursday, Trump's bid to end deferred action for childhood arrivals, also known as DACA, was blocked by the Supreme Court. High Court grants relief to undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children. The ruling, 5-4, to said that the administration didn't provide sufficient reasons for canceling the program. The LGBTQ community received a huge victory when the Supreme Court this past Monday declared that the civil rights protects gay, lesbian, and transgender workers. The landmark ruling will extend protections to millions of workers nationwide and is a defeat for the Trump administration, which argued that the Title VII of a Civil Rights Act that bars discrimination based on sex did not extend to claims of gender identity and sexual orientation. However, the 6-3 to three opinion was written by Justice Neil Gorsuch, President Donald Trump's first Supreme Court nominee, and joined by Chief Justice John Roberts and the court's four liberal justices. In other words, no gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender person can be fired or be discriminated throughout the country as the civil rights apply to sexual orientation as well as gender identity. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Today I want to get blunt about something that most of us are aware of and know that it could happen, but we need to talk about it more because the election is coming up only a few months away. And that is that we cannot underestimate Donald Trump, the GOP, and how cunning they are when it comes to elections, and anticipate everything. They're already trying to suppress votes. They're trying to say that the mail-in ballot should not happen because they will create more fraud. Any way and anything that they can do to get elected, and we need to be very vigilant and not think that because Donald Trump, his approval ratings are the lowest they've ever been, 
and the disaster that is created in the last three and a half years, especially uh, this year, his uh, disastrous reaction or respond or lack thereof to COVID-19, his apathy for uh, most Americans, Black Americans, Black Lives Matter, his apathy toward all the social injustices and police brutality. It's easy to think that we are safe and that we, we have this in the bag. And that would be a mistake. Michael Moore talks about this all the time. And I resonate with that. And I think that we really need to get everyone to vote, everyone out to vote, and not take any state uh, for granted and really combat GOP's cunning and Trump's ability to lie all the way to the elections. So I'm just being blunt about that. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Joseph Williams is a leading activist and community organizer with Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, who has taken the time to speak with me about the murder of George Floyd and this movement. So before I ask you any specific questions, I want to know uh, today, since things develop so quickly, where are we today and what's your personal perspective on where we are in our quest for justice and equality for, you know, not just George Floyd, but in general for all the victims of all the uh, black men and women who've been murdered just in the last few months and where we are in this, what I hope is a movement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's great that you frame the question that way because that's something that uh, we in Black Lives Matter have always said since the start of the organization. That was one of the one of the you know founding cries of, of the three founders: um, Patrice uh, Colors, Opal Tometi, and Alicia Garza. Was that uh, this is a movement, not a moment? Right. right? Los Angeles, um, you know, again, even before the, these uprisings. 
you know, uh, acceptable or enough or, or enough to, to make us calm down or say, oh, we're, we're done. Thank you. Right. Um, Compared to a $3 billion budget. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We know that the LAPD budget is over $3 billion. So $150 million is really a drop in the bucket. Um, and again, that still would leave LAPD with over 50%, you know, well over 50% of our uh, uh, general fund. So we know that it's, it's not enough, right? But at the same time, we know that these conversations weren't even on the table before this moment. So, you know, uh, there's a hope that we can continue to push for, for more um, and real transformative change in a number of places across the country. Because like you always, I mean, like you also mentioned, it's not just George Floyd. You know, it's, it's so many folks are absolutely uprising for George Floyd. But here in Los Angeles County, you know, alone we've had over 600 folks murdered by police uh, in the last seven years. Um, right. And none of them, right, um, have, none of those cops have been convicted, right? Um, so we're continuing to push for that, continuing to push for, for real transformative change in the form of divestment from policing as well. Well said. Let me ask you this. Uh, are you satisfied with the charges um, being brought against the other three officers and also changing the charge for the officer that killed George Floyd to second degree murder? No. Number one, because I'll never be satisfied with just charges. Right. right? Um, and number two, because the entire world, you know, at this point has seen George Floyd's last, you know, the last 10 minutes of his life. Um, and the entire world knows that that was a murder. Right. You know, by our standards, what we would consider, right, by our laws, first degree murder, right? Um, he, there was a, a definite intent to end George Floyd's life. Um, and so, no, we absolutely don't accept it. And even more so, once again, uh, there are countless of these other cases where, including right, the recent case of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, where charges haven't even been filed right, against right. the police who murdered her. Um, so, you know, are we, are we satisfied? Definitely not. Do we see that that has come from the community pressure? Absolutely. Right? Or else it would have happened immediately. Just like in the case of a robbery, right, those folks only got uh, uh, you know, the white supremacists who murdered him, right, um, were only charged um, and arrested after the world saw the videos, right, and, and, and uh, you know, had, there was an uproar. So it's unfortunate that um, it continues to take, you know, these extreme kind of things to get justice, but at the same time, it, it is, you know, we're encouraged that folks are demanding justice in these cases and not settling um, yeah. for, you know, empty symbolic gestures. Rhetoric and sound bites and good PR spins by politicians. I saw a meme last night that kind of wrapped it up really well. It, it was something like it took the entire country, people of color, LGBTQ, the entire world to bring a charge against one officer. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's so, it's so sad. And when, when I first saw the murder of uh, George Floyd on video, I thought, you know, there are hundreds of people that are victimized like this, whose 
death is not captured on video. You know, we can only imagine how many there are. Absolutely. Again, here in Los Angeles, there's over 600. Right? Over yeah. 600 yeah. people who have been murdered by police in the last seven years alone. So yeah. it, it's absolutely, you know, unconscionable that, that that's what it took to bring charges against these officers. And it also shows you, again, like you said, really plainly, Mm-hmm. Right, this is what our so-called justice system looks like when it comes to black people yeah. right, in this country where you can be literally murdered in broad daylight in public on video with you know dozens or more witnesses there and the entire world can see it and that's not enough for it to be considered a murder you know or, um, so it's a uh, you know, pretty clear and it underlines, you know, not only this issue is in our, uh, uh, again, quote-unquote, criminal justice system, but also this issue is in the, the entire, you know, rest of our society. Yeah. Right? Um, because, again, the, the criminal justice apparatus is that which is supposed to enforce the laws, <laughs> enforce the laws on which our society is based, right? Um, our society is a law-based society. So this is how the, you know, apparatus of enforcement, of law enforcement, right, reacts to blackness, to black life, an absolute yeah. devaluation of black life. And in public, on video, then how many other areas, you know, are these law enforcement or, or the laws that we're, that we live under uh, having this disparate kind of impact? Yeah. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you're listening to my interview with Joseph Williams from Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. And I'm glad you said blackness, words like blackness, because I think sometimes the word racism isn't enough because so much of it is specifically anti-black racism and anti-black brutality and violence. And it's important to really note those. Uh, I was going to ask you, so I... I'm very excited for Black Lives Matter and what it's done in its seven years and the momentum. And you guys have been leading us and leading the country in so many ways. But I have to ask you a redundant question that it's kind of a silly question. And KPFK listeners are very sophisticated. So, you know, pretty much all of them know this. But I think we all need a reminder when we're rebuttaling this, when someone mentions it whether it's social media or in person, uh, how to answer this. And this, the question is this, you know, those people who are misguided and, and say things like uh, all lives matter, right? Not knowing that black lives matter doesn't mean other lives don't matter. It's just that the black American experience is so unique and the brutality and racism that's come and all the injustice that's been done that hasn't stopped since end of slavery, civil rights movement, even Rodney King. Uh, how do you answer a question like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean you pretty much laid it out. Um, and, and even just the fact that people want to respond that way is our desire to, you know, almost our unconscious desire to erase, uh, you know, black people and black experience and anti-blackness against black people in the history of our country, right? And... Again, like you said, Black Lives Matter is is simply that. It means that Black Lives Matter. No one ever said that other lives don't. And the fact that 
Right. Right. Um, you know, again, it's, it's just an erasure uh, of our experience. I mean, it's, it's similar to, you know, this kind of analogy that I make in terms of our, our country's heroes, right? Um, you know, we would never lift up Hitler uh, as a hero, you know, because right. he murdered, you know, millions of people and tortured, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we, every day in this country, right, lift up as heroes, you know, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and other folks who were literal, you know, human traffickers, uh, enslavers, slave traders, rapists, torturers, murderers, right? Um, and we act as if those sins against black people don't qualify in the same way. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's as simple as that, I think. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's also, you know, it's, it's as simple as our, our American exceptionalism, which, which kind of contributes to this culture where we, we feel that these things that we've done uh, were justified, you know, as white folks, as, as American society, um, but other folks are not justified in their calls for freedom or justice. Yeah, this myth that uh, everyone's equal in America, it's the land of the free, and it's based on, you know, freedoms. And then we have, you know, even our sitting president has just, it's been a catastrophe, to say the least, and continues to be a catastrophe. I mean, today's fences going up around the White House is just, uh, it's unbelievable. Right, yeah, even the fact that an individual like Donald Trump uh, could be elected president with his history of abuse against women, right, his history, you know, his companies were, were sued for racial discrimination, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, labor violations, et cetera, um, and it shows you how willing this country is, um, or, you know, a good number of people in this country, a huge number of people in this country, um, to kind of wipe away transgressions against targeted groups, obviously, especially black folks. Um, but again, the system is also one that has elevated heterosexual, cisgendered, cisgendered you know, able-bodied, wealthy white males above everyone else. Right, um, and so it's not just black folks. Absolutely, black folks have have faced a huge brunt of of the state-sanctioned violence um, in America, but it also affects all of these other communities um, as well. And I think you know that's another reason why we see that it's not just black folks in the streets. That there are so many folks because you know folks see as well how this is affecting them, and that the belief that many of us are in my generation have. <laughs> This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you're listening to my interview with Joseph Williams from Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. So I want to ask you, considering where we are today, what are your wishes? What are we demanding now? Where do we want to be? Uh, I don't mean long term, I mean short term. You know, there have been accomplishments um, in the last week or so, but how would you like this to sort of like take place going forward in the next few days or weeks or months even? That's a great question because we always have to play both, you know, both the short and the long, the long term. And, and you know, long term, we're abolitionists. And again, I 
Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that we've been able to make real changes, and I think there's an opportunity to continue to push uh, for more and for real transformative change. Um, and, and, you know, I think we're seeing also that a number of folks who were previously not willing to be vocal around these issues have been galvanized by the current moment. And that's from individuals to, to institutions uh, and, you know, hopefully with, with community organizations, with organized labor being more willing to, to push this, with everyday regular people um, out in the streets will be able to push for, for more meaningful transformative change. And, you know, again, here in L.A., um, in the immediate, uh, our demands are prosecute killer cops and, and defund the police. So we're going to continue to push, uh, obviously, for a much larger divestment from LAPD um, in the LA city budget. Um, we're going to continue to push for accountability from the district attorney's office. And we know that uh, Jackie Lacey is up for re-election um, in November. And so, you know, we've seen over the past almost eight years now that she is, you know, going to refuse to hold police accountable and essentially going to allow and empower cops to abuse and murder people. Um, so, you know, we're going to hold her accountable in the streets and also, you know, in the ballot box. Um, so, we're, you know, we're, we're hoping to continue to push this momentum um, into real long-term organizing, you know, and not let it uh, dissipate and not let folks be, uh, you know, appeased by these the charges against these four officers, but to really push um, folks to continue to organize in their communities and continue to push for these things on a local level that will be real transformative change because I, you know, I believe, uh, you know, real transformative change comes from the ground up and the more that we can get folks to see their power and to continue to use their power and their voices um, that they're using right now in the streets and continue to use them both in the streets um, and in other ways in their communities, you know, I think we have a real chance to, to continue to build a movement to build towards the world we want to see. Well, you laid that out really well. I want to encourage listeners to um, who want to be involved to go to your website. There are various ways to get involved. Uh, obviously, nothing is free. Activism isn't free. It takes a lot of uh, money and resources to do what you guys do. So I hope that those that can make a donation to Black Lives Matter. Uh, but tell us or tell our listeners, um, what else can people do? A call to action, if you will. Absolutely. You know, I'll give a similar call to action I, I gave our, uh, our rally, our action yesterday in front of Jackie Lacey's office, um, is that now, you know, from here on out, it's not enough to be an individual. Right? It's, mm -hmm. it's cool to post on social media. It's cool to voice our opinions in those individual ways. Um, but to really be involved in making change and to really utilize our power, we have to join up, um, you know, with the folks in our community, uh, with folks who are already doing the work and you know again this this work uh is intersectional work right yes um, absolutely it's not single issue you know we only care about black people when they're murdered by police right we're working in so many different ways and we have so many different partners and so you know if, if you're a renter join your tenants union you know um if you're a student join students deserve in LAUSD if you are, uh, you know, a black person, uh, join BLM Los Angeles. If you're a white accomplice, join White People for Black Lives. 
divide and conquer. Um. Well said. Joseph, before I let you go, will you tell us the website for Black Lives Matter, please? Fantastic. Joseph, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the Blunt Post with Vic. I wish you all the luck out there. I'm very excited for what's happening so that we honor the memory of George Floyd and others who've been victimized. And it's now our turn to make good and be in action. So thank you very much. Thank you, Vic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Blunt Post with Vic. Today I have a second interview for you with Seppi Shine. Seppi is a true leader here in Southern California, a true change maker, and um, she's running for West Hollywood City Council. Uh, Seppi is an Iranian-American business and trademark attorney and an LGBTQ civil rights advocate. She serves as an appointed business license commissioner for the city of West Hollywood and an appointed member of the LA County Assessor's Advisory Council. She's a past co-president of the LGBT Bar Association of Los Angeles. She currently serves on the steering committee of the Human Rights Campaign 
LA, as well as co-chair of the Political Action and Community Engagement, and is a co-organizer of WeHo Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Seppi ran for West Hollywood City Council in 2019 and came within 141 votes of beating a two-term incumbent and is currently running again to win a seat on the West Hollywood City Council, which, as we know, is the uh, same day as the general national election, November 3rd. So let's take a listen. Hi, Seppi. Welcome to the Blunt Post with Vic. How are you? Hi, Vic. I'm good. How are you? I am well. Excited to talk to you and find out about what's happening locally in SoCal and LA and West Hollywood, since you are one of the movers and shakers in this town. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I'm I'm happy to share uh, knowledge of what's going on. Well, let me ask you this. I I asked this to see different people's perspectives, especially those that have a little bit more of an insider uh, info. In terms of COVID-19, where do you think we are? What's your perspective on what's happening today? Well, um, I think that we have a long way to go. <laughs> and um, I think there's a lot of people that have been following the social distancing orders of LA County and really keeping up with what's important to do. But there's also a lot of people that are tired being at home and, and really concerned about their financial status, um, because quite frankly, the federal government was very slow to roll out the stimulus, which in my opinion is just not enough, um, and the unemployment department is seems to be getting on the right track, but they were so overwhelmed in California that there's many, many, many thousands of people that still don't have access to unemployment benefits, um, but there's also people that are not social distancing and until we as a collective start to socially distance properly this because we have no federal leadership this disease and this pandemic is going to continue getting the better the best of us unfortunately yeah um good points when i spoke with congressman schiff he mentioned that to West Hollywood was unique in Southern California because it's such a dense city within 1.9 miles and that it has its own set of unique challenges with COVID. Yes. Uh, well, our numbers were high at the beginning. Um, I think that people started listening more to the social distancing orders and, and the increase had been slow. You know, uh, different officials had said that the reason for the high numbers was the access to health care. Uh, I think the reality is until we know more about those those people who tested positive, we just won't know. And the numbers, Vic, are truly, um, the numbers, every single number that we see is not really accurate because people that are dying in the hospitals, and have tested positive for COVID, they're being counted. People dying at home who maybe never got to get tested at the beginning or even now they they get sick and they just isolate or maybe they don't have access to great healthcare um, or or the disease just gets them too quickly, they're not being counted. So these numbers are 
are kind of, you know, but superficial. They, they have, however, if someone dies, no matter what they die of, the one of the tests that they do is to see if they had COVID antibodies in their body as well. Right. And, you know, the COVID antibodies are still, that antibody test is a not, it's still new too, right? So um, it's not as reliable. Even some of this, I think this week we found out that the Abbott uh, rapid test was not a great, great test. So they were saying that it was giving uh, inaccurate results thousands of people um, and look testing is great to get a better picture of the numbers right because then we know how many people are actually dying from this how many people are getting really sick it, it gives us a better overall picture but I want to make sure that people don't think that testing means they can just go and run out and and do whatever they want if they're negative because we're still in this sure. and until there is a safe vaccine and when I say safe because the initial vaccines we're kind of guinea pigs right now I mean Dr. Fauci said it in the hearings that yes we there could be vaccines but I want you know be a, I want everyone to be aware of the risks and the risks are that these vaccines that they're rushing to create could have um, detrimental side effects because usually vaccines take years to make and they do clinical trials. And the reality is we do need to speed things up, but it's going to come at a safety risk to people. So it's, it's, it's a very complex situation that the whole world is in, West Hollywood is in, that um, we haven't faced this before. You know, we faced the um, HIV AIDS epidemic, obviously, in our community. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the closest thing in our generations that that we can think about the similarity because we didn't we never got SARS and MERS uh, those diseases those you know coronaviruses here in yeah. America they never reached here really and Ebola um, also was contained and we didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, those are good points. Going back to uh, West Hollywood, you have been following and been sort of involved with the West Hollywood's rent moratorium and other resources that residents have for COVID. Where does the, the rent stand in West Hollywood? Are we still at just a two-month waiver? Sure. So basically, the, um, in March, on March 16th, the city council... Um, did an emergency order that was initially for two months. It was an eviction moratorium. So okay. it gives people who are affected by COVID uh, the chance to write to your landlord letting them know you've been affected financially. And also it had a part in there if you were, you know, you were sick uh, with it or if you had to put your child in daycare um, and you had higher costs, etc. And you would be able to postpone your rent. Now, since then, there's been a couple of changes to that. The first change um, for April and May was instead of having to pay back your rent in six months, you have to pay it back in 12 months. And by the way, I'm talking right now residential renters or the whole other commercial renters more torn. But let's focus on the residential renters. Right. I think those are the ones that are really 
we have 80% renters in West Hollywood, so that's about 30,000 people that have been affected, right? So they changed it from six months then to you have to pay back your rent in 12 months, and first you have to provide documentation, and they took that away and said, okay, you can just do something in writing. You don't have to document that you've lost a job or provide any proof. You just say, I've been affected by COVID-19, I've had financial losses, I'm not able to pay my rent, and you have to do, you basically have to let your landlord know within 30 days of the rent being due. So April is done, we're way past the time to, to send anything in writing to your landlord. Unfortunately, May now, people still have time up until the end of May, uh, you know, within 30 days of the rent being due, which is due on May 1st, so within 30 days, if you have been affected by coronavirus financially or otherwise you write to your landlord and you say, I'm not able to pay my May rent, and, uh, on, you know, and there's actually, if you go to weho.org, there's a template that they have, a nice letter, it's really easy to just download that, fill it in, send that to your landlord. What that means is that you can wait, you can postpone paying your rent, you won't have to worry about being evicted, the landlord literally cannot harass you, they can't send you, a, you know, they can send you a three-day notice, but then they'd be defying the ordinance that was passed, and they could be subject to fines. Now, in the last city council meeting, what West Hollywood did, and I supported this, was they extended the months, so that now, up until the end of July, people can also postpone paying their rent if they've been affected. So it's May, you know, April, May, June, July. These are the months so far that this emergency ordinance has covered. And then once it's at the end of July, once it's lifted, then the 12 months starts. Um, right. And people have that long to pay back. The problem that I, you know, I've brought up at a couple of council meetings is that there's a lot of people that are confused because they see the LA uh, eviction moratorium. They don't know what's happening with West Hollywood. They might not be, you know, West Hollywood has done a webinar online. They've sent out, they've done sponsor ads on social media. Uh, they haven't sent a mailer and I've been pushing for that. And to this day, there's still no mailer to the renters in West Hollywood from city hall, letting them know what their rights are. And it's worrisome because what ends up happening is people that are in the know, that are you know involved in local government, and, or or know where to go, they'll know what's happening. But you know, others won't. They also have um, provided a one-time financial resources for renters that they can. The, the you can go to weho.org again, by the way, to get the phone number of the couple of organizations to call that will give a thousand dollars one time to residents. That's all good stuff. You're listening to The Blunt Post with Vic. This is your host, Vic Jarami, and I'm speaking with attorney Seppi Shine, who is running for the West Hollywood City Council. What One thing that you said about uh, renters not knowing their rights made me think that sometimes uh, bureaucracy doesn't want the masses to know their rights. So it is up to us to do our own research and stand up and, and uh, make a case for ourselves. So let me ask you, since you are running for the West Hollywood City Council, you know, during the general election November 3rd, how has COVID and all of this affected campaigning? Sure, that's a really good question. Well, when 
COVID first, you know, not when it first happened, because I was back in the last year, but when it first hit us and we had the safer at home orders come through, I just kind of stopped, not stopped, but paused what I was doing, which was just focusing, focusing on fundraising only. And um, I did whatever I could to connect with my supporters, connect with the neighbors and the residents to help as much as I can, and one of the things that I got involved with, uh, a neighbor of mine called, and she said, you know, I want to start a group, and I would love for your help uh, if we could start a group that can uh, have, you know, there was a list of things she wanted to do, so we kind of discussed the different possibilities of what we can do in a fast amount of time, and we came up with, um, she and I and eight other uh, people, uh, residents in West Hollywood came up with um, this group called We Ho Neighbors Helping Neighbors. And literally within, I think it was three days, we had the whole branding, the training, the, our rules, or everything we're doing. Um, we have a Facebook page online, and uh, West Hollywood residents and We Ho adjacent neighbors can log on, and we constantly put out resources. So whatever the city's doing we've been trying to amplify right all the resources yeah. uh, so that so that residents can have more knowledge and we also have volunteers that uh, call clients that sign up we have a, a lot of volunteers actually that call some of these clients that felt isolated lonely seniors people with disabilities uh, people in immunosuppressed households that we thought, okay, we don't want people to be lonely and really get depressed being isolated. We're not used to this, so what can we do to help? So our volunteers do uh, daily or weekly check-ins with people. And we actually just got a new client from Finland, too. So wow. we have neighbors helping neighbors going global. We have a new <laughs> client who felt really isolated and lonely in Finland and signed up with our program. And we're like, oh, yeah, we have a lot of volunteers. Let's um, connect you. That's great. Uh, Seppi, say the name of the group one more time for our listeners. We Hold Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Fantastic. So next I want to ask you about L.A. Pride. There's some new news from L.A. Pride. So what's happening? So L.A. Pride, uh, you know, this year was supposed to be the 50th anniversary, and everybody in the community were all very excited about it. And, of course, coronavirus has caused a cancellation of every pride across um, right. the world. And LA Pride recently um, released a press release that said they're going to go digital and have digital events all throughout this year into the next year. And that's all the information I have. Um, I have heard that they are going to have from June 12th to the 14th, which would have been the weekend for Pride, they're putting together digital events. I know that Trans Pride is also digital, it's happening, and the Human Rights Campaign Los Angeles is uh, involved, and we're supporting Trans Pride June 19th to the 20th, so they're going digital. Um, It was really cute, yesterday, this weekend was Long Beach Pride, and the organizers of the motorcycle contingent basically put together a dike march, just everyone social distancing on, on bikes and cars, and we're, I guess, riding through Long Beach, and that was really nice to see, and I hope we do something yeah, like that in West like Hollywood. That. That, would, that would be really amazing. Yeah, everyone's getting very innovative. Thank you for that update, and also with HRC's um, update as well. So what's coming up for you? Do you have any events coming up? Anything happening with you're involved with so many different things. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so again, through HRC, we're going to be coming up with some digital events too, but we are involved with uh, Transcribe June 19th, 20th, whatever CSW does, if we can get involved, we'll, uh, which is Christopher C. West LA Pride, we'll, we'll likely uh, be involved with that too. Um, my campaign is also having some events because now that I was able to set up systems to help the community, uh, I've gone back to fundraising because the reality is end of June is our uh, big financial uh, disclosure deadline. So I have three events um, that I'm planning for June. The first one is planned and it's June 4th at 5.30 and I'm so blessed to have a really famous, incredibly funny Persian comedian, Maz Jobrani, who has two Netflix shows, is going to be introducing me and I'm also so honored to have uh, rep- uh, Florida State House Representative Anna Estamani. Uh, who is going to be speaking in support of my campaign. Um, it's on Zoom, and if anybody wants, it is a fundraiser, so it's a ticketed Zoom event. If anybody's interested, they can go to sepishine.com, shine with a Y, and get your tickets. And Anna Eskamani is amazing. She was one of the women who were part of the Blue Wave in November 2018. Right. And she, her district is basically uh, Orlando, where the Pulse, Orlando Pulse shooting was, and there was an anti-LGBT Republican, I mean, anti-LGBT, yes, Republican, uh, who had that seat, and she flipped his seat. So we have a woman um, in the Florida State House, which made history, a um, progressive Democrat who is pro-LGBT, and um, the first Iranian elected to any office in Florida. Wow, fantastic. And... uh... We don't have a whole lot of time left until May, uh, until November. So once again, for everyone who's listening, repeat your website. Sure. It's sepishine.com, S-E-P-I-S-H-Y-N-E.com. Fantastic. And I'll be making history, too, because I'll be the first woman of color on West Hollywood City Council, uh, the first Iranian, uh, the second lesbian ever, because we have only had one queer woman ever to serve on city council and we'll have a majority female which is very odd i mean to say the least (laughs) (laughs) to have to have a city of west hollywood since 1984 to have had one uh, lesbian on the city council uh interesting well seppi thank you very much for all the info all the updates really good stuff and good luck to you thank you thank you for having me happy to be here thank you for your doing the great work that you continue doing. Good to have you. Thanks, Giuseppe. Okay, bye. Bye. The Blunt Post with Vic. Today I want to feature a nonprofit that I remember actor Andrew Shue started many, many years ago, and it's grown to be a very large organization that does great good in the community. So I'm going to read you their um, mission or about section, if you will. This is Do Something. As the largest not-for-profit exclusively for young people and social change, Do Something's millions of members represent every U.S. area code and 131 countries. Using our digital platform, Do Something's members join our volunteer, social change, and civic action campaigns to make real-world impact on causes they care about. That's do something organization. If you'd like to learn more and perhaps help, 
you can go to dosomething.org. Thinking about our president, I have uh, two quotes for you about narcissism and narcissists. The first one is from uh, Bren Brown, and it says, Underneath the so-called narcissistic personality is definitely shame and the paralyzing fear of being ordinary. The second one is from an unknown author, at least unknown to me. It says, Narcissists will destroy your life, erode your self-esteem, and do it with such stealth as to make you feel that you are the one that's letting them down. Isn't that the case with our commander-in-chief? You're going to want to save the date for June 27th. Uh, it's Pridecast Live uh, on Saturday, June 27th from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., a special 11-hour Pride programming presented by KPFK, The Blunt Post with Vic, and the Stonewall Democratic Club. Pridecast Live is on the same day as Global Pride, and it's in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. We have uh, just incredible programming uh, planned for you, uh, original shows, interviews um, with leading queer politicians, panel discussions, music, variety shows, and lots more. So remember to save the date for Saturday, June 27th. It will be live on KPFK and live stream on kpfk.org. On that note, check out the Blunt Post's list of top 100 LGBTQ-friendly companies, businesses, and organizations list at top100lgbtq.com. That's top100lgbtq.com. Before I go, I'd like to uh, thank my hardworking producer, Ricky Herrera, as always. And thank you for being with me again on The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. Uh, for more information, please visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Vic Jarami. Both Twitter and Instagram are at Vic Jarami, V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.